What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What is up, my friends? Welcome to uh, Jason Lanier Unfiltered. <laughs> this is episode 26 of my journey to the mother freaking Amazon, uh, <clears throat> where I've done some just re- incredible, crazy, stupid, daring, ridiculous stuff, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. So this is episode 26 of my podcast, Jason Lanier Unfiltered. Thank you so much for being here, guys. And this is going to be a really jam-packed episode where I talk about a lot of adventures, a lot of craziness that's gone on, and just kind of update you with what's going on in my life. It's, it's been really crazy. So uh, without further ado, let's get to it. But thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. First off, as as we kick off this episode, I'm just going to be, I'm going to put it out there for you guys. I, I'm trying to get in a good mood. <laughs> And, you know, if you know anything about me, if you've ever been around me, if you've ever lived with me, if you've ever known me, whatever it is, I'm almost always in a really good mood. And today was no different. Today I'm in a good mood. Today, by the way, is day 299 of my 10,000 or more steps per day. So tomorrow will be 300 days that I've walked 10,000 or more steps per day. Very proud of that. That's still going strong. Very proud of that. And I was in a really good mood. <laughs> and I know it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like I'm in a bad mood right now because I'm I'm working my way out of it because you know so much about life is about your your mental capacity to overcome the things that you're struggling with. Well, my current struggle is some mother freaker just went on and stole three thousand bucks from me uh, out of my PayPal account, and so there's this this debit card fraud thing called go bank and they add a debit card to your account so then when you you or anybody else tries to transfer funds when i say anybody else cuz the hackers will get on there and they'll transfer funds they just lifted 3 grand from me <laughs> so you call paypal and they're absolutely worthless um, they always have been paypal is great for accepting payments but get your money out of that mother freaking thing as fast as you can because paypal they are just absolutely worthless as it relates to fraud and everything else so anyway i don't want to go on and on and on about that but just having lost three thousand bucks on paypal i'm just really grateful to be talking to you guys i feel like i can envision you guys i'm such a a visual person i I feel like i can envision you listening to this in your car and you're consoling me right now you're you're feeling sorry for me you're sending positive vibes (laughs) and so anyway that that is what and this just transpired about 20 minutes ago. And so I've actually been listening to music to get myself amped to do the podcast because anyway, that that just really just, I can't stand people who do crap like that, thieves and so on and so forth. So if you're out there listening to this, if you're the one who stole it, if you're one of those crazy people, 
uh, out there, then, uh, you know, I hope that karma finds its way to your lovely um, life. <laughs> so at any rate, it's been an insane couple of months for me. Again, this is episode 26. Um, and gosh, gosh, guys, I haven't done a podcast in, in a month or two. Well, let's be honest, it's been two months. And I, I really thank you guys who are listening to this for sticking around and listening to the this new episode because I've just been so inundated with work. In the last two months, I've gone to... Um, I've gone to Ecuador twice. I've gone to the Amazon twice. And so I'm only going to be speaking about the second time that I went to the Amazon, to Ecuador, I should say, because that's when I really went into the heart of the Amazon. I mean, really into the heart of it. The first time I went to Ecuador, had an amazing time, met some incredible people. But one of the things that one of the takeaways that I had is when I when I went to uh, Ecuador the first time, some of the places we went felt you know, more like a, a tourist thing. It was more like, and I, I would refer to it as more like a Disneyland experience. And, uh, you know, my buddy Christian that I met in Ecuador, I told him, I said, um, I don't want to, I don't want to do Disneyland. I didn't come down here to do Disneyland. You know, we've got more than enough stuff in America. If I want to see the polished version of it, I want, I want the, the real raw version of the Amazon. And so I'm going to be talking about the second trip uh, just because there's so much to get to uh, and, and I have so much to talk about. Even the even the PayPal stuff I just spoke about is taken away from this and I'm trying not to make these too long, but good grief, I have so much to talk to you guys about. So anyways, thanks for your patience. That's all I, I wanted to say. Thank you so much. Um, as we speak, it is October the 8th. Yes, it's the 8th. Let me check my phone real quick. Oh, I got a funny <laughs> somebody messaged me funny stuff on uh, on Instagram. But at any rate, I uh, I I got a uh, I leave tomorrow is what I'm trying to say. I leave tomorrow for um, for London, and I'm going to see Sir Roderick. Uh, who Roderick? That is that is a, a funny nickname that we have. It's not a really a nickname. His name is Rod, but we call him Roderick. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to be meeting with um, with him and Rotolite. They're going to come out with two new lights. And so I am very excited to be going back out there. It's funny. I did a Zoom with him. And, you know, you talk about time flying by and has the impact of the pandemic. It used to be back in the good old days, pre, uh, pre-COVID-19 madness, that I would go out to London because that's Rotolite headquarters and I'm the main spokesperson for Rotolite and all that jazz. I would go out to Rotolite headquarters, you know, every, I'd say two or three times a year at least. And so when I was talking to Rod and everything else, we're, we're, we're talking about everything. And, and he said, you know, it's been a couple of years since you've been here. And I'm like, no, it hasn't. He says, yeah, it has. And I said, no, there's no way. And he says, no, I'm telling you, it's been a couple of years since you've been here. And then when we really sat back and thought about it, I was like, good Lord, it, it really could have been a couple of years since I've been there. And then when we, it's at least been since 2019. And that was, wow, that was a big, huge, wow. I think the last time I was in London was with Emily for uh, Dreamland. And I think that's a two and a half years ago. And that that blew my mind. I, that was like, 
if if I'm piecing everything together correctly, I believe that was March of March or April of 2019, and here we are in October of 2021, and it it just floors me that it's been that long, and so I'm super excited to get back there. Traveling during COVID is always interesting. I've had to fill out all these passenger locator forms, vax cards. Just it's 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 such a nightmare to travel during COVID, but you know me, I'm I'm still doing it. So um, anyway, we're gonna talk about. So anyways, I'm flying out to to do that in Rotolite. They've they've rented some really cool locations that we're gonna go shoot. Uh, three days, you guys. If you're listening to this before uh, the 12th, the new products get announced. Products get announced on the 12th, and then 13, 14, 15. We're going to be doing live stream events from London with these new lights. Uh, And then I'm going to be doing shoots. They've rented a huge manor from the 16th century. Um, And it's all mine. At least for two and a half days or something. So that's cool. They're they're telling me it has like 30 rooms. And I get to shoot shoot wherever. And then there's huge grounds and everything else. And this is down in an area of of the UK called Kent. Which is, um, let me do my geography here. That would be southeast of of where London is located. It's about an hour and a half away. So, and then they've rented an entire western town for me. So, <laughs> um, and so they they have a whole western town, like where they it's where they film movies. And so they have these brand new lights, a whole western town. We've got models lined up with all this gear and everything else, and I've never met any of these models. I'm not taking anybody with me, which is fine, but I've never met these people, so it should be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. I'll be outnumbered. I'll be in a western town. I'll be the only American who speaks American in a western town in London with a bunch of Brits. (laughs) So this should be a riot, Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see it, so... Gosh, so much to get to. So anyways, if you're wondering what we're going to talk about in this podcast, um, I'm going to be talk about going down into the Amazon, sleeping with tribes down there, which are super cool, camping, canoeing, kissing piranhas, uh, seeing devil-eyed caimans. If you guys haven't seen a caiman in the wild, um, their eyes are red like freaking uh, vampire. Or do vampires have red eyes? <laughs> that, well, I don't know. I, I think I made that part up, but I, they have like demon eyes. Okay, so anyways, I'm going to be doing that. Tarantulas in my room, fires that were set in <laughs> under uh, just craziness. There's just so much to get to, so I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the what, the where, the who, why, and how all of this came together. So... Um, what are you going to learn in this podcast, my friends? If you can't tell, I'm, I'm trying to follow somewhat of an outline to make this as cohesive and cogent and and uh, and as uh, as clear as possible. So there's three C's that I had to just make up off the top of my head. But um, you're going to learn about what's it like to do adventure photography in this. If you're listening to this, you're going to learn about that. Um, you're going to that you're going to learn some about the tools needed and lessons that I've learned. In doing this adventure kind of photography, as I embark to increase my mantra, uh, and well, not mantra, my title, my uh, my my claim, I should say, as the Indiana Jones of photography, because that's who I am, motherfuckers. 
I wonder if Indiana Jones ever had somebody rip $3,000 out of his PayPal account. Probably if he was alive in this day and day, day and age, he probably would have. Uh, what it's like, to, how to travel during COVID, dealing with language barriers even when you speak the native tongue. Because, um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, you know, we, we spent time with the tribes and I speak very good Spanish. But the tribes don't re really speak Spanish, even though you're in a Spanish-speaking country. Because some of the areas we went are so remote that it uh, it takes a little bit more. So, um, dealing with travel problems, best practices for traveling and recommended gear for both photography and making it outdoors when you're doing this crazy stuff. So uh, we're going to take a very quick break, my friends, and then we'll be right back and we'll get into um, all of this stuff. So let's do it. Stay tuned. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks so much for being here. Very excited to, uh, to have you uh, join me. So where did I go? I'm going to jump right into all of this. Uh, I went down into two areas of the Amazon in Ecuador that are very difficult to reach. Now, why have I been going to Ecuador? Simple answer. Uh, two, because I've gone to the Galapagos Islands. I've gone all over Ecuador. I'm, I'm in love with Ecuador. Why am I in love with Ecuador? Well, it's, it's what first brought me into this scenario was Ecuador um, is very travel friendly right now and of all the places to travel in the world especially during covid you're looking for places that do not make it more difficult for you to travel um <clears throat> if you have a vaccine which i will just put it out there i do have the vaccine and i'll also put it out there that i think is a personal choice as to whether or not people are vaccinated so i'm not trying to virtue signal or talk about how great i am that i have a vaccine i got vaccinated for a simple reason i needed to travel I looked at it like when I needed to go to Ethiopia, I had to get yellow fever and, and all this crazy vaccines because I was going into a, a very, uh, you know, dangerous part of the world. And so just like me, you shouldn't even think about traveling with me. I don't care if it's in freaking San Diego or if it's in um, New York, you shouldn't travel with me unless you have a DTAP shot, like unless you have your tetanus shot. You shouldn't even be anywhere in my remote proximity because... Well, if, if anybody's going to find rust and tetanus, it's going to be me. But I'm digressing. So at any rate, you know, it, you have to get vaccinated. But if you have a vaccine, you don't have to quarantine. And uh, I know some of that is starting to, to uh, uh, like, some of that is starting to, uh, the, the restrictions are starting to loosen up a little bit in some of the places in the world. Uh, but at the same time, in many places, they are not. Like, for instance, right now when I'm going to England, I have to pre-register and pre-book for COVID testing. And if, if I don't do that, I can't travel. So you have to, you have to get, get all that done before you go. You have to have a passenger locator form, so on and so forth. A con really, it's a contact tracing form is what they're doing. They're tracking you, um, and uh, which I'm not a huge fan of that kind of crap. But, uh, but, if, but I have, you know. I have business obligations that I have to meet in London, so I'm abiding by the laws. At any rate, Ecuador, there is no quarantine period, 
if you don't, if you have a vaccine and you don't have to do any COVID testing once you arrive in the country. Um, so that's one of the main reasons I've been, I chose Ecuador. On top of that, it's one of the most beautiful places for just, and, and so diverse. It's just such a beautiful country to visit. And I've, I've loved going down there. So that's why I've been going down to Ecuador. Like I said, in this particular trip, um, I went down into two areas. Two areas. The first is called Yasunia. We're going to talk about the adventures in, in that. And then the second is called Cuyareno. Uh, Yasuni is is a is a protected area where the Waurani tribe lives, and so I went down there and we spent tri- time with the Waurani tribe. And then the second place is Cuyaveno, so we're going to talk about both of them um, in this. Um, and the other reason I've been going out to Ecuador is I'm planning trips to take you guys there with me. I want to take you guys down into some of these areas and do that. So um, I'm very excited to do that. So at any rate. Um, I'm really, I'm really, it's such a, such a honor to be able to do these things. So, so let's break down this epic journey. All right, boys and girls. What's it like to travel during COVID? Well, again, like I said earlier, if you have the vaccines and the vaccine passports, and yes, they check, they're very big on checking. If I know a lot of folks out there still are not traveling, especially internationally. And so I'm just telling you, it's, it's all real stuff. Um, now when you get into Ecuador, every time you, I, I've landed in Ecuador, which are two times, <laughs> but when you land in Ecuador, you have to, um, they have people standing there almost like in hazmat suits. They're truly covered head to toe, like in scrubs with face masks and the foot, the little foot socky thingies and the, the scrubs and all that jazz. And then they go and you do temperature checks at the airport before you go through customs to get your passport stamped. So if you clear that, then you show them your passport card. You have to show your passport, your, excuse me, your vaccination card to get onto the plane. Then you have to show your vaccination card when you're in line before, when you're in line after, you know, disembarking from the plane or deplaning or getting off the damn plane, whatever you want to call it. Um, then you go and you get your, um, your temperature check. So if you have your temperature check plus a vaccine passport, um, then you get to go through customs you go, and then they give you no problems. So that's what I really like. So, um, so at any rate, let's, let me, let me walk you guys through it. So I flew from Los Angeles. So this journey was, was truly like, you know, I purposely tried to do this in a way where it was really like an adventure. I wanted, I wanted an adventure. I didn't want just a normal humdrum kind of a thing. I wanted an adventure. So, um, my man, Christian, and, and I'll, I'll talk about this real briefly, but Christian is a guy who's, who's become a very good friend to me. And he and I met back in July when I went to Ecuador for the first time, he was my driver. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but he was my driver who turned into a helper who turned into, he's my guy down in Ecuador who helps me do everything. So I think he's awesome. And so he, uh, when I went back the second time, he helped set everything up. And so, um, I flew from Los Angeles to Atlanta and then from Atlanta to Quito. Uh, and so when I, once I arrived in, in, in Quito, I had been traveling for about, I don't know, 20 hours between layovers and flights and everything else. It had been about 20 hours. I landed in Quito 
And Christian picked me up at the airport with um, his buddy, Brian, who is a driver, who we're going to talk a little bit about Brian <laughs> in this podcast. And then there was a model that I met the last time I was, I was there named Nashat. So um, at any rate, um, they all picked me up. And then the plan was for us to drive all through the night to get down into a city called Coca. Now, if you live in an area of the world, America, Europe, those kinds of places um, where there are streamlined highways. And when you say, hey, we traveled 100 miles, what are you going to do the math, right? 60 miles per hour, blah, blah, blah. You're going to say, okay, it's going to take an hour and a half. Well, when you travel 100 miles in Ecuador, it takes you eight hours. Because roads are hilarious. And I don't mean that in a good way. The roads are hilarious because you get off... um, you're driving on these roads called a carretera, which is like a freeway, and you think you're going great, and then all of a sudden, I'm not making this stuff up. You're just driving, and then the road just stops. Now, you can still continue, which we did, but you drive, and these roads just stop and turn into dirt and rocks. Not gravel. I'm talking dirt and rocks. So you go from going, you know, 40 or 50 miles per hour to going two miles per hour because the cars can't handle the rough terrain over there. There's not, you know, you're not driving in freaking Jeep Cherokees or Wranglers or whatever the hell you want to call it. You're driving in a freaking <laughs> Suzuki Esteem. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. So we're in a Suzuki Esteem. I'm sitting in the front. Christian's driving, Nishat's in the back snoring, and Brian's behind me kicking the back of my seat because he's he's trying to sleep. And I'm like, yo, dude, I'm the one who's been traveling 20 hours, and you're kicking my seat. You're supposed to be driving, but you're not driving because Christian doesn't trust you to drive, which I don't understand because that's why we brought you. But later on in the trip, I, I kind of understood why Christian felt that way. So at any rate, um, we, we got down. I just have these... It was funny because <laughs> we're driving, and first off, you're you're down in Ecuador, so you think it's the uh, well, it is the equator, but you're down there, and you're thinking it's always going to be hot, humid, everything else. Well, that night that I that I arrived, they the day before they had had a snowstorm, so we're driving through the mountains, and there's snow. You don't think of Ecuador and think of snow, but there was snow, so we're driving through, and I'm trying to stay awake because I'm worried about my buddy Christian driving. Because the whole idea was he was going to bring Brian, who was going to sleep all day, and then Brian could drive us. Well, I guess Brian didn't sleep, so Christian had to drive. Well, I didn't really understand this, but it is what it is. So I'm trying to stay awake to stay, awake to stay with Christian. <laughs> it's so funny because I love this little dude. But if you guys go to my Instagram, you'll see videos and stuff of me and Christian. But he's driving. And it's like, I I love him to death. And if he was listening to this, he wouldn't understand two words of this podcast. So I'm just going to have to just tell you that he'd be okay with it. But it's like he believes that people in the United States and Ecuador are very different as to when they get tired and they're driving. Like we don't see the same signs. So we're driving and Again, I'm in the front seat. He's he's in the driving. He's he's the driver, and he's rolling down the windows and he's playing the music loud. And it's like three, freaking three in the morning. And I'm like, "Estás cansado, amigo? Are you tired?" No, no, estoy bien, jefe. I'm good. I'm good, boss. <laughs> I laughed just like that. I said, "You're not good." I mean, you you're 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 rolling down the windows. You're blasting off some cold air in the freaking snow here, and 
You're telling me you're good? You're tired, man. Pull over. Pull over. No, no, no. We got to make it on time. We got to make it on time. Because the whole idea was we were driving throughout the night and then getting into Coca to meet our, our, our guide. Guys, this is so fun. It's just such Indiana Jones stuff. I love it. So I'm envisioning like in a movie where you meet this guy, you know, you, you walk into like this, this bar where there's like, you know, the, all these guys and then you meet the guy who has the hat, who's a ship captain and you're, you're going to charter the boat to take you down the river. Well, that's kind of the crap that we did. And it, it's just a crack up to me. So at any rate, we're driving and I have these visions of Chris just slamming on the brakes. <laughs> my face like fate, my head just face planting the window because <laughs> he's slamming the brakes because we go from going, like I said, 50 miles per hour to there's nothing. And then the car's just rocking and rolling. It, it was, it was pretty funny. So at any rate, we drove overnight, bumps, snow and more, just crazy six to seven hours for us to get down into Coca. And then uh, I remember going in and out of a uh, sleep coma, pretty much. And then by the time I reached Coca, um, Chris stops the car and I asked him what's wrong. He says nothing. We made it. So Chris got us there safely, which I really appreciated. So then we're sleeping in the middle of we're sleeping in the car in this city, and it's just pitch black. So all of us try to go to sleep. Um, well, most pretty much everybody did. And then we slept for about two hours. Well, in the morning, Chris reaches out to our 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 captain, the the guy that you know, the the equivalent of the guy who said that, you know, I said you know you're going to charter us and blah blah blah. Now, this gentleman, um, which his name is Nanto, and he is a member of he is the leader of the Waurani tribe. Now, if you don't know, the Waurani tribe is the indigenous tribe down there in Ecuador. In Yasuni, and so this is protected area. You can only get into this Yas- area of Yasuni, and especially with the tribe, the Waurani tribe, you can only do that with special permission. And we had acquired that special permission. And so we meet with Nanto, and they're supposed to have food ready. They're supposed to have provisions ready. We paid them ahead of time to get food, provisions, everything ready. Well, we go down, and first they're like, Okay, let's go have breakfast. Okay, let's go. (laughs) So then we go have breakfast. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to bring my family. You're going to meet the family. And it's just, it was funny because I'm like, when are we going to head down to the river? Like we're supposed to be on the boat at this point. We're supposed to be going down. And this is why I do this stuff without you guys. Because I'm working out the kinks before you guys join me on an adventure. So when I do take you on an adventure, it is as kink-free as possible. So... We're sitting there and um, we're at some little restaurant eating and then then I it's so funny when Christian gets serious because Christian's like we're it's me and Nishat and Christian and Brian and then Nanto and his wife and his daughters and so we're sitting there and I'm like they're just talking about you know random stuff and I understand you got to kind of familiar familiarize yourself with people but. It's like, we got to go. Like, I really, I'm anxious. Not to mention the fact that I have been on two long plane rides, a layover at Atlanta, and now I've been in the car for seven hours um, and slept for another two. I mean, at this point, I'm working on 30 plus hours of travel. I just want to get there and like set my stuff down and, you know, just relax for a minute. Um, 
but that wasn't to be. Okay, <laughs> so I look at Christian and I said, "Hey, man, we we got to get moving." So Christian motions for for uh, Nanto and I to go, and and Nanto, Christian, and I to go have this little powwow, this little uh, you know private private chat while everyone else eats. So they start talking about money, and I still see Christian's face. Christian's so cute because he'll sit there and he'll he'll get like really down in the business when I want him to. But they were supposed to buy all these supplies and do all this stuff. They didn't do any of it. So. Then we had to divide and conquer. So I told him, I said, go buy your gasoline. Go buy whatever you need for the canoe. Christian and I will go do all the grocery shopping. We'll go do everything. So that's what we did. Went about all of our provisions. Went about everything. And man, if there's something I've learned on my international travel, if you are somebody that is not familiar with you know, they'll, they'll call it Ecuador time or Africa time or anywhere that I've been. I remember being in Ethiopia. They'll tell you five minutes, it's an hour. Well, the same is true in Ecuador. Anytime they give you a time frame, it's not remotely, remotely close to reality. So, you know, the running joke when I've been anywhere has been, hey, don't tell me, you know, Ecuador time. Tell me regular time. Tell me American time. Tell me a time that I can actually think, okay, when you say you're going to be back in 20 minutes, be back in 20 minutes. Don't be back. And if you're back in 25, it's no big deal, but don't be back in two hours, <laughs> which 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 can happen quite frequently down there. And they'll joke around about it themselves. So we go and buy all the provisions. And then as we're buying provisions, um, which, you know, it's just fancy word for food and other stuff that we had to take. Um, we go in there, and then Nanto's wife, the leader of the tribe, um, she goes and starts putting a ton of, like, like filling up the cart with more stuff, and not food stuff, but like pots, pans, all stuff. And she's like, "You have to buy all this for the community. The community is the tribe." And I'm like, "Okay, now keep one thing in mind if you're listening to this. I'm already paying for this. We've already agreed. I'm already, you know, paying the tribe to do this. A good amount of money, I will say." Um, and so I thought that that was what everything it was supposed to be. But then I, I found out that I had to, I had to buy a lot more things, which, which again, I'm fine doing it just, you know, we've had to have some conversations since about, Hey, I'm okay doing this. If, if this is a requirement, just let us know, let us know ahead of time. And that, that's something that we had to work out, which was fun. So again, we had the breakfast, we bought all the provisions, and then we're packed into our Suzuki Esteem. And I'm thinking that we're going to go down to um, down to the canoes because we we're supposed to take the canoes from Coca down into um, down into the Yasuni protected area. Well, no, that wasn't to be the case. We had to actually drive another two hours down into uh, a station. Um, uh, well, not a station. It's a little pueblito. It's a little, little tiny city. And that's where we launched from. So by the time we get down there, now it is hot and sweaty. Now we are down into the hot and sweaty and humid area of Ecuador. And I have this vision and I, I, it's just, it's just this beautiful thing where you see the river and it's like, we're doing it. This is really cool. We're really doing it. And if there's one thing that you're going to hear about in this, um, in this podcast, it's that I really grabbed on and ran with the idea of really letting go of my inhibitions and living the life that I've always wanted to live rather than just dreaming about it. Now, you may be listening to this saying with, geez, Jason, you already are crazy. You already do crazy stuff. But if you if you listen to this and if you know me, I did things on this that I have never done and never thought I would ever do, to be honest with you. 
because I've just I'm really grabbing life by the horns and running with it. So we hop into the canoes. We're getting on our way, um, and uh, the canoe ride was magical. Um, it was I'll never forget being there, and we had to take a few members of the tribe with us, um, mostly Nanto, his wife and his daughters, um, down into the down into the what they call the community. They they call the community their home. So that's where they live. So we go down there, and then about. <laughs> about and i have a video of all this it's so much fun about 30 minutes in um the motor on the canoe starts breaking down and we're in the middle of a fast running river in the amazon truly everything you could imagine in your mind of whatever you can envision that's what it was well what makes it even better was is if you've ever traveled in these waters when you lose the capacity to steer and or propel your given you know vessel in any in the direction that you want to go well what ends up happening is you start ramming into stuff and so we're literally like because and by the way in the Amazon, it's not like, you know, they've cleared out the river. So you, so what you're doing is you're going down this thing. It feels like a video game where you're going down the river and there's huge branches, trees that have fallen in from storms. And so I, we were literally plowing through, you know, and, and you hear, you heard like every, like the girls would scream. They would, everyone would duck. And then <laughs> these trees would go right over the top. Now I'm not. I'm not saying that the trees like went over the top and missed the canoe. Oh no, they hit the canoe and they scraped the whole thing. And if your head was up, you're going to get some smacks in the face. And I mean, some smacks are going to either put you in the water or leave a mark to, to, to say the least. So we're going through all this, the motor keeps breaking down and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And so finally he pulls, he drifts, it's 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 hilarious. It's like Fast and the Furious, you know, Ecuadorian Warani tribe style. He's drifting, and we drift the canoe into this little his little neighbor. Now, when I say neighbor, that means that they're about thirty minutes to forty minutes apart, and this neighbor is a part of the the tribe as well. And so we 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 drift the the canoe into there, and we're now they're trying to repair the motor on the side of the river, and I'm like, okay. This this is this is this is this is something else. So I told him I said I am going to get out. I'm going to do my steps. <laughs> so that that started to be a very frequent theme with um, with all of this is doing these steps. Uh, I would and I, I just this a little bit of a a little bit of a uh, just a little motivational thing. At least it is for me. One thing the steps have helped me do. And I'll just say this and I'll get back to the Amazon is no matter what I'm doing, if I have to wait for something, I walk. And it's been a big game changer for me. So if I go to baggage claim, I walk while I'm waiting 20 minutes for the bags to arrive on the on the conveyor belt. If I am waiting at CVS or whatever for my prescription, I just walk around the store. It's really changed and I feel like all of my time is very well spent because I'm being I, I'm being productive. So at any rate, I took that mentality over into the Amazon. And so I knew I needed steps because now the um, calendar had switched over. And all I'd been doing uh, was uh, sitting in the car and I needed to get my 10,000 steps in for the day. So I said to him, I said, hey, you know, if you're going to work on the motor, let me 
let me just walk around. And so walking around, now this is the freaking jungle, okay? So walking around just meant this little patch of of land that this little tribe had carved out. And so I'm doing my steps. And the funny thing is, everybody there is laughing at me. Now I'm only I'm I'm, I'm the only white guy there, and here I am. I, I clearly look different. I'm wearing my hat. I got everything else going on. And then I'm looking like I'm crazy because all I'm doing is walking in circles, doing steps. Luckily, I was able to joke around with them and have fun. And I just let them laugh at me. And, and they actually got a kick out of it. And that ended up leading to us having um, some really good friendships and, and relationships come as a part of it. So... After the motor breaking down, we got the motor fixed. Then, you know, I could keep going on and on and on about the motor. But the motor broke down again as we went. And it broke down about two or three more times. Okay, we finally reach the, 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 the community. Now, at this point, by the time we'd done this, we'd been traveling for... I'd been personally traveling for about 40 hours. I was exhausted. The only sleep I'd had uh, came uh, as a result of sleeping in the car through Christian's wild ride. And so we get to the community, and the first thing that I see when we land is I, I'm thinking, please don't let there be like, you know, freaking, um, you know, like, I don't want it to be Disneyland. Please don't tell me we've come this far and it's freaking Disneyland. Like, there's, you know, hot showers and, you know, cable TV and people are wearing Levi's and all that stuff. Yes. Those are some creature comforts that are very nice, but at the same time, that's not what I went there for. So when we arrived, I was very thrilled that the first thing I saw was tribal members out there. And one of them, um, now I, I don't mean to say this, like I wasn't thrilled to see what I'm about to describe, but I was thrilled to see that it was very authentic. And the first thing that I saw was an older lady is actually the mother-in-law of Nanto. Nanto is probably in his... I don't know, 50s, uh, mid-50s. And he um, um, is he is married to the and the tribal leader. They're, 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 they're the leaders of this whole thing. But um, his mother-in-law is sitting out there. And so she's got to be in her 60s or 70s. And um, she's sitting there um, topless with war paint. I, I shouldn't even say war paint. It's more ceremonial paint. Or as I came to find out and learn, it was more um, uh, their paint when they go hunting or when they have ceremonies or when they do things of that nature. And so we get there and she's out there waiting and she's singing and chanting. And it was just awesome. It was absolutely awesome. So we got in there and it's it was exactly what I wanted. It was a community. There were no um it was just as authentic as you can get in today's day and age the only thing that had any sort of a creature comfort if you will was a uh i don't know who set this up but somewhere back in their past through i don't know what it was somebody set up a little schoolhouse now when i say schoolhouse we're talking a very rudimentary um concrete building um, and this concrete building um, is the only place in the entire area that has any sort of power uh, run by a generator. But other than that, everybody sleeps in their little um, – they sleep in authentic what they call typical houses. 
um, casas tipicas, um, and um, straw. Um, people, everybody's, you know, they're running around half naked, if not naked. It's really crazy just to be there, and there's just, you know, especially the boys. The, the boys, you know, would run around just naked. I mean, like, you know, it, it's just it's just crazy. But it's it's so funny. I will say this: it's crazy once you're there for a little bit of time. It normalizes. It's just not like a weird thing. And it's just, it's just, you know, I could go on and on about these, you know, how us as, as, as a, as a quote unquote modernized, civilized, you know, uh, society, how, you know, how we look at the human body so differently. But when you go to these places, this is a pure nat national geographic place that I'm in. And it's just so funny how we as modern societies have, you know, put all of these restrictions on us. Um, and, but when you go to one, a place like this and they don't care, it's funny how all of that just evaporates. It, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in that. And so we go and, um, set up camp. We, we get everything set up as, as much as we can. Um, and then I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, what, where do we go to the bathroom? Well, there's the woods. Oh, <laughs> okay, perfect. Now I want to make something clear. I'm I'm an Eagle Boy Scout. I, I've I've camped a lot on my life, okay, uh, and I am not opposed to using the restroom in the woods if you need to. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. But the real the real one was where do you bathe, right? Well, there's two options for bathing. In this in this particular uh, area, you either bathe in the uh, river which you're going to hear me talk about a little bit later. You either bathe in the river or you um, bathe in what we call the uh, Yasuni jacuzzi. Um, and so it's not a jacuzzi. It is a uh, – it's like a water tank, but they cut it in, in thirds. And so if you think of like a water tank, a small water tank that they would have to for fresh water on top of a, an old apartment building and it's plastic and then you cut that into thirds. Imagine the bottom half where you know you could still fill it with some water. What they do is they, they have a bamboo and stuff coming in, feeding water from the river and or rainwater and it feeds into this. And so then you take your beautiful self – and you get naked if you want or wear a bathing suit, whatever you want to do. And you get into this um, bathtub. It's well, not a bathtub. It's, <laughs> it's just a broken out uh, water tank. But it's not – I'm not even describing this right. It's truly what I said earlier. It's just this, this third cutout of a water tank. And then you take your butt down there. And you get naked and you, you you shower as best – not shower. You bathe as best as you can. Well, anyone who's ever known me knows I am kind of a – what's the word? Um, <laughs> I'm more of a shy person when it comes to things like getting naked you know, out there. I'm, I'm definitely more on the shy end of the spectrum of things. And so this is one – this is really what helped break me of, Jason, get over it, dude. Get over it. Okay, you got a shower. You feel and smell disgusting. You've traveled forever. You cannot boycott bathing just because you're shy. You got to get in there, buddy. And so 
you know, Christian goes and bathes and then he comes back and Christian's hilarious. He has this big smile on his face and I'm like, where is this place? And he, he gives me directions. So then what do I do? Okay. <laughs> because I'm quote unquote shy. I walk down into this bathing area at night. Okay. So I go down there. Now, it was already going to be night. Christian bathed when it was night too. But it was already going to be night because it was late. But I'm just thinking, I can't believe I'm walking down into this. And I'm going to sh- I'm gonna shower in the real Amazon. Okay, I keep saying shower. I'm going to bathe. I'm going to get buck-ass naked. And I'm going to s- <laughs> I'm gonna sit my butt in this water tank. Um, and who knows what's out there? Jaguars? <laughs> boars? anacondas seriously (laughs) i'm like this is just whatever so i do it okay i get and i'm only sharing this i'm not trying to overshare but i'm like this is really what it was like and so i go down there and i'm and i'm and i have my sandals on like my flip-flops then i have my clothes and i have a change of clothes and i have a towel and all that jazz and i'm like you know what jason what and i have my flashlight and i'm like you know whatever just do it so (laughs) Strip my clothes off. I I jump into this thing. The water is freezing, by the way, um, you know, because it's nighttime at this point. But I'll be honest with you, it was really awesome. It was an incredible experience, and I even filmed a little bit of it. Nothing graphic, nothing, nothing, you know, PG, nothing R-rated. Nobody wants to see it. But I filmed it so you guys could see what it was actually like. It was a really cool experience. And if you can't tell, I really enjoyed just diving into all of these moments with vigor and passion and without inhibitions and that's really what my life has has taken on in the last year to whatever it may be is losing those inhibitions and living and that to me is what this trip really embodies and it, it was it was absolutely incredible so after the shower experience, I showed Christian the video that I took, and then I told Christian, "You have to tomorrow. You have to do a shower video. I keep calling it a shower. You have to do a bath video too." And he did. <laughs> They're hilarious. <laughs> Again, nothing, nothing uh, R-rated material, just to show you guys what it's like. And I think that that's really cool. So, the next day, the tribe does a whole presentation for us. Now, let me kind of talk about. The community in general, like I said, they most of them run around semi-nude. Um, they they have a main area, which is where they cook everything. So there's no microwaves, there's no electricity, there's none of that. They only have a tiny bit of electricity in, like I said, their their little school room, uh, which is which is honestly at least a quarter mile away from where they all live, at least. Um, and so this area is is a wood hut with open sides. So there's there's logs that hold it up, and then the, what they've done is they put mesh to keep help keep the mosquitoes and other stuff out um, on the perimeter of this. But it's open because it has to be open because on the inside of it they are constantly cooking a fire. So they have there has to be a way for the smoke to evacuate. So. They have this fire because that's how they do two things. A, it's how they cook. And B, it is how when they are not actively cooking something, that is where they put a broth or something on that is meant to um, help with the bugs, the mosquitoes. They put something in there like a vapor that helps 
to you know rid the area of um of bugs this is probably about you know a uh, 15 by 15 maybe 20 by 20 foot space um and um there's there's a few hammocks in there and a few benches all fashioned out of you know logs or you know twine or whatever it is and there'll be you know somebody laying there and most of again most of people are topless uh but uh but that's just how they are and how they that's how they live and this is also this this area serves not only as their kitchen and their dining area but also their communal area this is where they all gather at night or during the day and talk and just be social with one another so uh, that's we would go there two or three times a day, depending on what we were doing, to you know eat breakfast and then a lunch or so on and so forth. And so um, we went in there, and they wanted to show us you know how they dress up and get ready. What their presentation is to go out on a hunt, because they will go out and hunt for monkeys. They will hunt for boar, other animals, um, you know, for for food. I'm used to seeing, like, the last time I went to the Amazon, uh, you'd see the girls dress up. But when they would wear their skirts and stuff, when I say skirts, it's like a grass skirt or leaves that they would put over their, you know, their privates and stuff. Um, They would, you know, have, like, biker shorts or regular, you know, like normal person shorts, you know, underneath it. Um, This one they do not. Um, Furthermore... um, I never saw any guys in any traditional, you know, attire in any of the other things that I've ever done uh, out in the Amazon. Well, this was a very, very new one for me. The uh, first, the ladies do their presentation and they dance. And this is how they get ready for all of the activities and festivities that they're going to be doing. Uh, And then the men come in. And when the men come in, it is... If you're a quote-unquote Westerner, it is it is a uh, it is a surprise because the men are completely naked. Um, but I think, at least I speak for myself. When I went into this, I was definitely anticipating there to be nudity with the men and the women. But what I didn't anticipate was that the manner in which the men come in. Um, you know, the women will paint their faces and so on and so forth. And they'll wear something on their head called a Corona, which is like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a green. They'll, they'll get a plant and they'll wrap it around your head, almost like a bandana. Um, but the men come in and then they have a piece of rope that ties around their waist. But then they take, they, they take their penis and they put their penis against their stomach. And then they take the rope and they tie the rope around their waist pinching the tip of their 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 penis to their body and when they walked in i looked at them and by this point we become somewhat familiarized with with being friends and so on and so forth and i'm looking at them and they look at me and they see the look on my face (laughs) and they said jason you you, do you want to do you want to dress like us (laughs) I said, I, I, <laughs> I said, okay, I, I'm all about losing my inhibitions and and doing all this other stuff, but that 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 that's a lot. I mean, even for a dude who has no inhibitions in the Western society, that's still a lot, especially the whole pinching your your thing, you know, your 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 manhood. 
and then the red paint that they use, you know, on the ladies, what they do is they take this red paint and they paint the testicles of the man. And so they come in with their testicles red, red, and their penis tied to their to their abdomen. It's quite a sight. Well, you may think that this is just, you know, for show and presentation, but they did they did dances just like the women did, and then after they did the dances, we followed them as they went into the jungle. And they walking completely naked with their things tied against them with barefoot and everything else. And they hunt like this. And I'm sitting there watching them and I'm like, okay, what is the, what is the practical purpose for, for tying your thing up? There's got to be some practical purpose. Maybe I'm not even, (laughs) I'm really trying to think about like, why would you do this? Because it looks so painful. And I asked them, I said, does it hurt? And they said, well, yeah, you have to get used to it. And I said, well, they said, well, you should try it, Jason. And I said, no, Christian can do it. <laughs> Christian can do that part for me, okay? Me? No, I still, I still, you know, would like to be able to utilize mine with it having regular functionality. And when I said this to them in some way, shape, or form in Spanish, they thought that was pretty funny. Because, like I said earlier, yes, we're in Ecuador, and yes, the younger folks speak Spanish, but the older ones really don't. They speak, you know, Warani. And so when you speak, you have to sometimes communicate more through body language and pointing and stuff more than more than even speaking Spanish at that point because they don't, some of them just don't speak much Spanish at all. And so we're going hunting and, and I did a photo shoot with both the men and the women inside of this hut and then we went into the jungle. It was absolutely incredible. And you have these moments where you're shooting them, at least for me, where I'm thinking, this is this is this is truly incredible. I mean, I'm not on a tour. I'm not some sanitized version of this is what it used to be. Like, no, this is what they do. And you have those moments where you're like, I'm really doing National Geographic type stuff, which is so cool. And the fact that I was out there doing it not on a commission from National Geographic, meaning that I owe them material where I'm just doing this for me. I, I'm I'm shooting this for my own edification and for my own documentaries or stuff in the future, which is really cool. I absolutely love it. So um we went and did all of that, which was so cool. Uh the hunting in the jungle was super cool. Um the photo shoot of them in the jungle I shot the men, the women, the kids um, it's really interesting as a photographer to sit there and you're documenting this and you're trying to piece together. How do I do this in a way that is respectful? Um, well, respectful, I not too worried about because I, I try to shoot everybody with respect and I do, I believe that I do, but more in a matter of how do I shoot this in a way where, you know, I, I would love to post this stuff, especially when it comes to kids. I, I, I really focused on how do I do this in a way, um, that is, that really captures the moment in a way that is true but also do it in a way that i feel is very respectful and um and appropriate and just being in there in that moment with them it is just it's it's an incredible moment so um the next day we went out and um we journeyed into the middle of the woods to shoot 
And because uh, something I had really tasked them with was I said, take us to some really cool areas where I can do some photo shoots with the shot because I really had a two pronged mission here. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do uh, travels. Uh, I wanted to do documentary stuff. But, you know, some of these places are so gorgeous. I'm like, that's why I bring a model to some of these excursions, because I want to, to, to shoot some of this beautiful stuff and share it. And, uh, you know, because it's so difficult to get to some of these areas. There's so much time and money and planning and effort to get to some of these areas. I want to maximize it by having somebody there to shoot. So the shot did an incredible job. We all we got back in the in the canoe because anywhere you go out in the Amazon, as you can imagine, you are 99% of the time you are not doing it on foot. You are doing it in a canoe. And then you get off in the canoe and then you walk somewhere. So we, we traverse our way down the river, get into this area where there's supposed to be this beautiful, you know, lookout over um, over a valley. And we go walking through the woods. And as we walk through the woods, um, we, we come across this tree. And they explain that this, that this particular tree is called a devil tree because it... Um, because ants live inside of the tree. I'm not talking ants live inside of a hole in the tree, the trunk of the tree. They live in the branches in the trees. Now you may think, okay, what what, what exactly do you mean, Jason? No, they he so first off, he said you know it's a devil tree because underneath the branches and everything nothing grows. Nothing grows over the entire bottom of the perimeter where the branches reach out on this entire tree which is is pretty crazy there's nothing on the ground unlike the other parts of the jungle and that's because of something that the ants are doing to discourage it and so he gets a branch he breaks this is a a guide that we had this is all part of the tribe Um, and he breaks a branch off and cuts it open and he says, stick your tongue in there. And I said, stick my tongue in where? Stick your tongue in to there. And he showed me. And there's literally inside of a branch. He opens up the branch and there's ants that are inside of the veins of this branch. They're inside the hollow part of a branch. And then he says, stick your tongue in there. And when you're down there, you just kind of got to do what they're talking about. He's, I stuck my tongue in there. And it, he says, what does it taste like? And I said, I can't tell because they're biting my tongue. He says, and he laughs and they all laughed. And he says, yeah, but, but what does it taste like? I said, it tastes like lime. He goes, yeah, it is like lime. And so it's just, I, I'm sitting there and, and these, these ants are biting you. And then they explain, they said, well, the problem is you, you, you need to swallow faster. Cause if you fall, swallow faster, then they die. You can't, they can't, you know, they can't bite you if you swallow faster. <laughs> so I did that. We, then after that, we went and uh, Nishat or, or Christian, Christian will usually do what I do. Nishat wouldn't have any of it. She's like, I'm not putting my tongue in that. Okay. So then we went out to do the shoot. And Nishat uh, was, she wore like a grass skirt with the top, uh, definitely taking on the effect of uh, of the attire that they would wear out there. And we did a shoot with a flash um and this is something that I've been using a lot lately is um, I have this modifier. It's a 26-inch modifier by Photix um, that just pops open like an accordion. And I've been using it a lot when I've been, been going down there because it's really been giving me great results. And when you're out there, you need stuff that is really 
um, really uh, portable. Really portable. Portability is is a huge thing out there. So went and shot with that, did a shoot with the um, one of my lenses that's become a favorite of mine, which is the Sony 20mm G lens. Um, I actually shot a lot, as you may remember, with the Sigma 20mm over the years, uh, but that broke. It stopped focusing on me. And so I bought the Sony 20mm G lens, and I've been using that a lot, and I've been really, really enjoying it. So... Um, went out and did that shoot that turned out fantastic, went back the next day and then, um, I go into the, the, um, the, that little communal area with the fire and where they have their breakfast and everything else. And I went to have breakfast and, uh, all of a sudden I start hearing Yeti, Yeti, Yeti. And I turn around and then the, the old lady who was topless, who is the mother-in-law of the tribal leader says to me, um, your name is Yeti. Oh, well, and I laughed and I said, you're calling me a Yeti. And they said, yeah. And I said, do you know what a Yeti is? And I tried to explain to them what it is. And finally, when I was able to adequately explain that they were calling me an abominable snowman, um, they laughed. They thought that that was really funny. They said, well, that's not exactly what it means for us. It means more like a warrior or so on and so forth. But, um, but, it was a great laugh. And from that day forward, and I was with him another four or five days, I lost the name of Jason. I am forever known as Yeti. Even when they communicate with us now about going back in the future and doing other activities with them, they always call me Yeti. It's all they'll call me. They don't call me anything else, which I think is awesome. I, I felt honored to uh, to get a name from them. So that morning we go out. We, we visited one of their... Uh, their neighbors and that was two hours away uh went down there on the canoe guys this community when you go down there they have two cans they have monkeys that run around with no leashes nothing no wings clipped and they are the pets of the tribe and the funny thing is i went down there the toucan was biting my phone i was trying to film it this toucan i'm on my hands and knees this toucan is biting my camera as i'm filming it and when the tribal when the lady that was down there got tired of the toucan chasing me, it barked. Well, not it. The lady, you know, yells at the toucan and says whatever she said because she's speaking Warani. Whatever she said to the toucan. And the toucan, just like a dog would, like kind of barks back and then listens. and Almost like if you're scolding a dog, like, hey, knock that off. Get over here. The toucan listened in the same way. It was hilarious. So we went there, we did another shoot with Nisha under under a dry house. They have a house where they dry their leaves and stuff. We did a shoot there, which was really cool. Put up the drone for some footage. Um, and then um, then on the way back, I did a really cool shoot. Because one thing I asked him, I said, is can we stop the canoe in the middle of the river and do some shoots? And we did. And we got some great work done. We shot some with the Flash and we shot some with the Rotolite Neo 2, uh, both in the middle of the river and on my previous trip to the, to Ecuador, I actually lost my um, my drone. Um, you can watch my Instagram story if you want to see, or not story, my my feed to see what happened. But um, but yeah, I lost my drone, and so this time when I went back down to Ecuador, I had two drones with me. But I was really kind of nervous because I didn't want to lose another one because I lost it in the river the last time. But I still put the drone up and got some incredible footage of us shooting. 
getting out there. It was it was really funny and and, um, and uh, got some really cool stuff that I'm very excited to share with you guys down the down the road. So really really fun. Um, and so the next day we go down and this is this was a real true adventure. Um, we go down um, the river and this time they said we're going to go down to uh, a mirador or a lookout, you know, like a viewpoint. And so we go down and um, uh, as we're heading down, um, they look in the sky and Nanto uh, says, um, we are going to get a thunder. We're going to get pummeled by rain. And so we pull over the canoe, we pull the canoe over they have a plastic tarp to put over the gear and we get the rain ponchos out for the, the think tank backpack. So that's one thing I would say is uh, on this trip, you know, if you guys are going to adventure and travel with gear, make sure that you have backpacks and bags that come with ponchos like they are custom fit for your gear. If not, you're going to ruin gear. Plain and simple. So we went and we put these ponchos on the bags then all the other bags we put underneath the tarp and then for the drone and for my light because i have two drones like i said but they're in the dji bags which will take on some water but not a ton like if it's really raining they're gonna ruin the drones and so we took these and so i brought a, a dry bag a 40 liter dry bag and then what i did is i put the drones inside of the dry bag and a dry bag is is really used to keep things dry obviously then as the name says but that dry bag will really keep things like even if you had a capsize i was in honduras and we had the boat capsize and we did this and it really protects your gear so it's a great way to keep cell phones all that other kind of stuff dry and i actually put a video out on youtube on this if you guys are interested well it rained so much that we had anticipated going down to this viewpoint that day and then going back to fall you know going back to the community well that didn't work out. We get down to this um, area called Shiripuno, and uh, there is a an abandoned lodge. Now, when I say lodge, guys, you, this is not like you know what you may think of with a lodge where you've got um, you know again accommodations and rooms and everything. This is just some very rudimentary uh, buildings where they would house people who, who biologists, scientists, members of the uh, educational community that come down to study the Amazon. And this is owned by the Waurani tribe. And so being that we were with the Waurani tribe, they said we cannot make it back to the community tonight, so we're going to stop here at the lodge. And so when you stop at the lodge, what that means is you are getting off, getting off the canoe, taking your stuff up, and there's still no electricity, there's no lighting, there's nothing. You're just under some, at least, at least, and I was very grateful for it, there, at least there was some, uh, there was the ability for us to be able to set our stuff down and get out of the get out of the rain because the rain was crazy that night. But what we did is we decided to do a photo shoot with the shot at this lodge since all, all the other plans for the day were washed out. Um, we did a shoot with the Neo two and her, which was really cool. Christian helped me with that, which is, which was a lot of fun. And, um, and then the tribe, when I say tribe, there's only, there are two members of the tribe with us at this point that went, oh, three, 
there was the the lady um, who was the mother-in-law of the topless lady, 70-year-old topless lady, and then there was Nanto the leader, and then there was a guy that I nicknamed Machete because he was always killing, or not killing, but clearing the path everywhere we walked with a machete, as you would see in the movies. And so we get into this in the, this little area, um, and there's one thing I will say. One thing that I did is from the United States, because the advice that Christian gave me before coming down is he said, any camping supplies that you need or you hope to have, you better bring from the United States because they are not going to be available here. And so I brought a big tent down with me that we utilized for all the nights. Nishat had her own tent. Christian and I slept in our tent and she slept in her own. But then one thing I also did was I bought and took three twin size air mattresses down there with me because if there's one thing I've learned in all these travels is they don't ever have stuff like that and if I don't know about you but if I'm sleeping on a hard floor I'm going to be miserable the next day and I'm not going to be able to really work very well so I bought one for myself one for Christian and one for Nishat which was it worked out great to have those and the reason it worked out great is because they have these rooms in this lodge that are made for, like I said, the scientists and biologists, all those, the, you know, the people to, who study the Amazon, they go down there. So instead of having to set up the tent down at this lodge place, um, we blew up the air mattresses and put them down in there, which was really, really cool. Um, and uh, Christian and I slept in separate rooms uh, um, next to each other. And then a shot was down with the, the topless lady <laughs> somewhere. And then um, <laughs> that was a funny story too, because the topless lady, um, she would watch me every morning. She would stand in my doorway and just smile and watch me um, as I would try and change and do other things. And I would, I would tease her and say, Hey, um, <laughs> You know, I'm a little, I'm a little too old for you. I would like tease her and she would just smile at me. And <laughs> Lots of great stories happened at this. Just beautiful. There's, again, there's no lights. So we would, um, we would just, the, the tribe would light candles and then feed us. Uh, they set, they would open, you know, start a fire and they would set the fire and then we would uh, light by the candlelight. It was just, it was just a really Really cool experience. Nishat gave dance lessons. And Nishat is actually a dance instructor. And she would give dance lessons to us. Trying to teach us how to how to dance. Which was hilarious. And she kept saying to me, Jason, we, because I have my hip replaced. She goes, you got to unblock your hips, dude. And so that was really fun. And that's not something that I've done a lot of in my life because of my hip. And so that was another thing that I really worked on that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, the next day the rain stopped and we went to this mirador, which is again, the, um, the lookout point. Well, Nanto, the leader of the tribe looked at me and, um, he says, you know, I'm wondering if the Yeti can make it. I said, of course I can make it. I've been walking my 10,000 steps. He goes, this one is really tough. I don't even think Christian will make it. I don't even think any of you will make it is what he said. And I laughed. I said, I'm going to see you at the top mother freaker. So long story short, we went, we, we went another hour, some odd time in the canoe. We're chopping down stuff. I really can't wait to have the time to put these videos together because they are just adventures galore. We we're chopping down the woods. We're going through there 
And um, we get into this, we, we climb and climb and climb. And this was at least a two hour, it's a four hour round trip, but a two hour hike up into the jungle, which to this lookout that overlooks the entire Amazon that was honestly just incredible. Absolutely just incredible. Um, one little piece of advice I'll give you is if you are flying a drone, make sure, and I, I, I'm, again, I thought I told you guys I would give you some advice. If you are in an area like all of these areas that does not have Wi-Fi access, doesn't have any signal, has nothing, make sure that you sign on to your account prior and make sure your phone is logged into your DJI account prior to losing service because if you do not, then when you get into these areas, it will restrict your altitude and um, distance that you can fly your drone. And it restricts it pretty significantly. It's some, something, a, a lesson I had to learn. So make sure to do that. But we did some incredible shoots um, with the drone looking, at, look, looking out at us. Just amazing. I can't wait to share these with you. And um, they have these assassin. They're called assassin ants. They're huge. And so Nasha is posing against this tree and these assassin ants are actually biting her. And they're vicious. The ants are so freaking vicious out in the Amazon. Little freakers. They really are. Um, Nasha was wearing a a swimsuit. But then what what, um, uh, Nanto, Nanto with Machete did a... um, Oh, by the way, I nicknamed... Because since they gave me names and they were laughing about it because, you know, uh, they're laughing that, that I, they called me an abominable snowman. Um, I gave Nanto, the leader of the tribe, the nickname of Nalga, which is butt cheeks. Because everywhere, everywhere that he walked, he was sagging. He'd have these little shorts on, but his butt cheeks were showing. And I'm like, either go nude or pull up your pants, dude. Clearly, I wasn't telling him what to do. It was just funny. And so I called him Nalga. So Nalga and Machete are making these beautiful outfits. And when I say outfits, they they could, in the matter of minutes, make baskets and and all these things with leaves and just picking stuff out of the woods. It was really pretty cool. So we did a really cool shoot there. Really, really um, had to deal with the elements there. One piece of advice that I'll I'll, I'll say is when we were out there – um, you know, a lot of the times Nishat wouldn't, you know, it doesn't really make sense for her to be wearing high heels or sandals, but she, you, you would get eaten alive if you stood there, um, with, um, no shoes on and no protection. And so we had bug repellent everywhere we went. And so we would put giant leaves down on the ground and spray the top of these leaves to death. And then she would step on those and that would really help to keep the ants away from her. So just a little piece of, of, you know, advice as to what you can do to really help mitigate, um, you know, some of the problems that you'll deal with when you're out there, because those definitely, you know, those, those, um, those, those ants alone will just make you want to just, they'll make you, they'll make you want to quit. They are vicious. They bite like a mother freaker. So then as we're draw, as, so we finished that shoot, we walked down, out of the area where we just did the shoot, we walked down and um, it was really funny because we're walking back and we hear, (laughs) we hear Nalga, the tribal leader, we hear him stumble. Then we hear a ruckus. We hear animals. Apparently Nalga tripped and this 
chicken like thing. I don't even, it's not a chicken, but it, it just, it comes flying out of a roost, a nest, I should say. And we turn around and he has a sheepish grin on his face. And I'm like, what was that? And he looks inside of the tree. It's a hollowed out tree. And there's a nest with eggs there. Well, apparently he scared the hell out of this bird. The bird flies out and he looks and he goes, oh, cool, breakfast. And he takes the eggs. <laughs> there's like these blue eggs. And he says, oh, they're just like, it's going to taste just like chicken, like chicken eggs. So um, we went and did that. And then the following day, we, um, well, we were supposed to go back to the community, but it was too late. So we stayed the night at that lodge again, which was really a lot of fun. So the following day, we uh, took the canoe five hours now, because we're really far away from the launch point where we first started this journey um, up to, um, up to where we had first launched from. We took the canoe back up there because this was our, this was our last day in um, Yasuni. And we go and get food. It was really cool though because a lot of the community members from the Yasuni, from the Warani tribe, uh, went to this launch point, this little pueblito. And um, they all saw me off, saw all of us off, I should say, not just me. They saw all of us off. And then they went into the town to, you know, to get groceries or get something to drink or whatever. So that was really cool because when we, when we would walk down the street, they would say, Yeti, Yeti. And, you know, they were calling out my name. And um, I don't know, just the fact that they called me by a name that they gave me was really special. I really, really enjoyed that. And I got to tell you guys, this is, this is why I want to take you guys there. Just so many incredible, incredible opportunities. Guys, this podcast is so long. I'm going to split this into two. So this will be part one of two on my trip to the Amazon. Thanks for listening to part one, guys. I love you. Until next time, keep shooting. Never give up on your dreams. Find out what works for you. Remember, you only have one chance to get it right. Make sure to listen to part two coming up very soon, my friends. Talk to you later. Bye.